Welcome to round two of the Draft Sharks Invitational. It is Tuesday night, August 4th. For anybody who might be listening to or watching this after the fact, I'm your podcast host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola, but not drafting tonight. Jared, that's got to feel good to not be drafting tonight, right? It does feel good. Um, you know, got got it done with, got it over with. It was a bit stressful. It was a tough draft, as, as expected. I mean, I, I didn't expect to come away from that thing with a loaded team. There wasn't much value dropping. I know I talked about getting sniped multiple times, but it was, it was fun. Um, especially the, the late rounds, like we're getting in around like 20, 22, 23. Those were some um, interesting names coming off the board then. And of course only feels good to not be drafting because you're also talking on a stream here. It, it's August. I mean, it never really feels good when you're not drafting once we get to August. So uh, drafting tonight though, is my co-host for the draft sharks, high stakes podcast, Adam Krautwurst. Adam, how do you feel about drafting tonight while you're on here with us? I am excited. I'm uh, I'm at the Draft Shark Studio. I don't know where you guys are, but <laughs> I'm at the studio, um, ready to go, locked in. Made my first pick, feeling good about about tonight. Actually, on the way here, I found something in my pocket. I don't know if you guys can read it, but I, I don't want to give away too much of my strategy. But um, I think Josh uh, Allen, no matter what, I think that's how I feel about tonight. So, that was in my pocket right now. Minutes ago, so. I always get worried when you go fishing around in your pocket, Adam. I got it. This is, of course, the second of five drafts in the 60-player DS Invitational. It is uh, a five-league – there are five leagues, 12 teams each, prizes of $250 apiece for each league champion, $2,000 overall prize. We agreed last night on the broadcast here to keep that a secret from our spouses, so I made sure that my door was closed before I said that. The format here, it's best ball. It's 25 rounds. The lineup is one quarterback, two running backs, three wideouts, one tight end. We got two flex spots. It is super flex, so one of those can be a quarterback each week. Uh, scoring is PPR, except for tight end premium, so that's one and a half points per reception for tight ends. Of course, a familiar format for anybody who plays in the FFPC. We are running the drafts on MyFantasyLeague.com, so you can see your draft board on the screen there. Um, we'll be tracking at least the first 10 rounds of picks tonight to see the strategies that play out as these drafters put together these teams to try to win this contest against, you know, some of the best high stakes players and analysts in the fantasy industry. Let's look at who's drafting in this uh, league. Number two drafting first was Pat Thorman of Establish the run formerly a pro football focus. You can find him on Twitter at Pat underscore Thorman. Number two is Adam. As he said, he already made a pick. We'll look at who he picked in just a minute. My co-host for the High Stakes Podcast and an experienced High Stakes player who finished fifth in the FFPC main event last year. You can find him on Twitter at Adam underscore Krautwurst. Drafting third is Rich Rebar of Sharp Football Analysis. He, and plenty of other places before that, All, you can find him on Twitter at Lord Reeves, R-E-E-B-S. Number four is Peter Overzet of TikTok, of course. Um, he is at Peter Overset on Twitter. He's a podcast hound. You can find his footprints all over the place. Just go into the podcast app and search his name. You'll find something. Drafting fifth is Noah Rudell at Noah Rudell on Twitter. He's a finalist in the Millie Maker last year on Play Draft, RIP Play Draft. I think many of us are missing that app this season. But a high volumes, high stakes player is Noah. I'm glad to have him in this draft. Dan Williamson 
is picking number six on Twitter. He is at overhyped sleeper without that final E in sleeper. If you want to look for him, another high stakes veteran also from Minnesota. We got lots of players, lots of fantasy analysts from Minnesota. Dan is a two time winner of the $1,250 FFPC auction format and has won multiple main event leagues in the FFPC. Drafting seventh is Mike Shop of WGR Buffalo at Shop Talk on Twitter, a fantasy player, a sports talk host from our region, of course, Western New York. We're all Western New York guys at this point. Mike has competed in the Scott Fish Bowl and Pros versus Joe's contests. At number eight, we have Patrick Doherty of Roto World. He is at Roto Pat on Twitter. I would say he's one of the funnier fantasy football guys on Twitter. Number nine, Mitch Carl, another former Western New York guy who's now down in the D.C. area at DFS and Donuts on Twitter. Two things that I think we all enjoy at first but feel great shame afterward, unless that's true for me. Um, Adam, you're pretty familiar with Mitch from adolescence, right? Yeah, Mitch and I actually go way back. Uh, we went to elementary school together. And and then, you know, as mo- happens to most friends, you know, I went year-long fantasy. He went daily fantasy. And, you know, we're kind of meeting back up here years later. After the successes that, of course, allow you to actually go out and do things and spend money <laughs> together. Um, Mitch will be representing Rise or Fall Fantasy at Team Rise or Fall on Twitter. Number 10 is Mike Taglier of Fantasy Pros, one of the primary voices on the Fantasy Pros football podcast and a Chicago guy. He is at Mike Taglier with an E on the end, NFL on Twitter. Number 11, Jake Seeley of The Athletic. He is the founder of the Flex Leagues, which was one of the two drafts I was doing last night at 9 Eastern and <laughs> trying to juggle and not doing great at times. But that's beside the point. You can find Jake on Twitter at AllInKid. You can find out more about the Flex Leagues on Twitter as well at Flex underscore Leagues. And then finally, number 12 is Connor Allen of 4 for 4 Football. He handles high stakes and betting content over there, including the Move the Line podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Connor Allen NFL. So now we've got that out of the way. Let's look at some of the picks because we're already about halfway through the second round of this draft, which is moving quickly. Pat, of course, started off with Christian McCaffrey, which you're legally obligated to do this year. Saquon Barkley went two, Ezekiel Elliott three, Dalvin Cook four. Jared, it wasn't the exact same four running backs, but just like your draft last night, it started with four running backs. Yep, Dalvin Cook in place of Alvin Kamara. That's the only difference, actually. And then just like last night, we had Patrick Mahomes go at five, Lamar Jackson go at six. Yeah, so we had two quarterbacks go at five and six, just like last night, as you said, in this super flex format where we expect quarterbacks to go early, although at this point, not as many as were gone at this point in last night's draft. Alvin Kamara did go in the seventh slot to Mike Shop, So that was the fifth running back there. Michael Thomas, I believe, went in the same slot as last night at number eight. Travis Kelsey at number nine, a couple spots later, but he's going to go in the first round of basically any FFPC style draft. Yeah, I think that's exactly where he belongs. Um, I'm I'm even taking him ahead of Michael Thomas, but I think somewhere in that eight, nine area is where he belongs. Like you said, he went seven last night. And for me, he might even be ahead of the quarterbacks if we're talking best ball for Superflex. I'd probably go quarterback if I'm setting the lineups, but you know, for best ball formats, I I think I would go Kelsey before quarterbacks. We'll see where my money's at. (laughs) tomorrow night when I'm actually making the picks. Mike Tagliere took uh, Clyde Edwards-Elair with the 10th pick. Edwards-Elair we talked about last night because he lasted well into round two, which is a lot different than what's been happening lately since Damian Williams opted out of the season. You know, I think we said last night, though, that running back six is where, you know, you, you can't you can't argue against Edwards-Elair there. I mean, all these running backs, once you get past those top five, I think have, have some questions. I mean, we all love the upside on Miles Sanders. 
uh, Joe Mixon, Kenny and Drake. I think they all have questions though. Edwards Allaire has some questions too, just being a rookie. I think that's kind of to me where the questions end though. Um, I, I think he, he's a, he's a big time talent and a great fit in what's been a, a excellent spot for running backs throughout Andy Reid's career. And I think even a better spot now um, with Patrick Mahomes, obviously piloting that offense. Yeah, it was a little bit easier to be hesitant on him, even if you liked him before Damian Williams opted out. We had the coaches talking up. Damian Williams is still the starter. And, you know, not just not knowing what the role was going to be for Edward Dealer heading into the season. But now that Damian Williams, Damian Williams has opted out, there's really – there's just no hurdle to Clyde Edward Dealer being the lead back and clearly the premier fantasy offense, the place where there really is no ceiling on what you can accomplish. I mean, it'll be a major disappointment if he, you know, loses significant run to, you know, guys like DeAndre Washington and, and Darwin Thompson. Yeah, I will be surprised. Adam's on the clock, so I'll try not to talk to him too much. I can see him uh, concentrating really hard over there. <laughs> the last two drafters on the board, Jake Seeley, Connor Allen, each doubled up on running backs with their first two picks. Uh, Jake Seeley went Miles Sanders and then Nick Chubb on the other side of the turn. Connor Allen at the 12 spot started with Derrick Henry and Joe Mixon. Uh, Jared, would you favor the two running back start as you did last night? No, you went wide, You went running back, wide receiver, then running back last night. Yeah, you know, I, I, I couldn't pass on Devontae Adams um, for, for a Nick Chubb or a Josh Jacobs. Those are sort of the guys I was between. I, I do usually favor getting, you know, at least two – "Quote unquote workhorse running backs early in basketball leagues, but yeah, when when Adams made it to me in the late the late second, I had to pull the trigger there. And Adams about to put in his third round pick. So uh, Devonte Adams was the third pick of round two, going to Mike Tagliere's team, the second wide receiver off the board, quickly followed by Julio Jones. And now Adam, that you've got a pick, let's address how you started the draft. Saquon Barkley at two, Austin Eckler." with your with a second to last pick in round two and then Chris Godwin with the second pick around three how are you feeling so far yeah I feel pretty good it was again um I tried not to take away too much from last night uh and this you know this draft was was much different so I wasn't expecting so Dak I was targeting Dak you know once he was falling and falling uh, he's my quarterback three so uh of course Rebar I think sniped him yeah he sniped him right in front of me um, so, uh, so then my plan was to go running back heavy, like I usually do in best ball. Uh, so I took Eckler. He was my next running back on the board. Um, and then I came back around and took, and took Godwin. Um, it was between Godwin and DeAndre Hopkins who went right after him. And, uh, so yeah, I just like, I think I like Godwin for, for more spike weeks. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I was, I wasn't planning on taking a quarterback there unless something like Dak fell and he, he almost got there. Uh, I've already been corrected. It's Mike Shope, which I should have known. And now that I hear it, it sounds familiar to me. Not Shop, Mike Shope. So I'm sorry that, about that, Mike Shope. I'll get your last name right the rest of the way. He, by the way, started with Alvin Kamara at the seventh pick in round one. Kenyon Drake as RB11 off the board with the sixth pick of round two. That's kind of a late spot for Kenyon Drake at this point in drafting. It's uh, I'm looking right now. It's actually a spot earlier than he went last night. Although last night he was running back 10. Um, we, we had the wide receivers go off a bit earlier in this draft. A um, couple of quick notes on the first two rounds. Uh, Noah Rudell is the actually second team in this league to stack Patrick Mahomes with Tyreek Hill. Um, we had Austin Martin do the same thing last night. And then um, Rich Rebar stacked a couple Cowboys with his first two picks with Zeke Elliott and Dak Prescott. Yeah, I'm super jealous. Uh, I love Kamara and Drake's Drake's my guy this this year too. So yep. to see kind of Drake fall, be able to get Kamara and Drake, it's 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 a really nice start. It is a nice start. 
for me, Dak and Zeke is one of the few quarterback running back stacks that I would target. Not necessarily because I think Zeke's going to score a whole lot uh, via reception, but I think Dallas is going to score a whole lot in general. So I think by getting Dak and Zeke together, you know, you will get a few receiving touchdowns between them, but really what you're getting is lots and lots of Cowboys scoring. I expect them to be a top three scoring offense this year. Yeah, so do I. And we had Evan Silva last night um, go all in on Cowboys. So he ended up with Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and Tony Pollard. So um, I, I think, you know, whether it was Evan's strategy or not, he, he ended up going um, heavy on the Cowboys offense, which I, again, I, I agree with you, man. I think it's a great idea this year. Josh Jacobs went after Kenyon Drake. We had Tyree Kill, as you mentioned, go to the Patrick Mahomes team, Noah Rudell. Peter Overzet took Mark Andrews as the third tight end off the board a little bit earlier than our third tight end went off last night, but the same guy as last night. Dak Prescott, too rich at the third to last pick of round two. And then Deshaun Watson at the end of round two. He, of course, went at the beginning of round two last night when Evan doubled up on Dak and Deshaun Watson at the one-two turn. Yeah, we thought the quarterbacks went late last night, and they've gone later so far. I mean, we had six off the board through – what was that? 16 picks last yeah. night. And, you know, we just got our sixth off the board here in the, you know, latest third round. Mm-hmm. Overall, we had six go in the first two rounds last night, just 10 through the first five rounds though. So it'll be interesting to see if we get a gap uh, in this one, like we did it all last night after a quick start to the position around the two, three turn Pat added Aaron Jones to Deshaun Watson and Christian McCaffrey to start his team. We mentioned Adams got Chris Godwin as his top receiver, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver six off the board, too rich, who has started running back, quarterback, wide receiver. Then Peter Overzet took Kyler Murray as the fifth quarterback off the board to join Mark Andrews and Dalvin Cook. Jared, how do you think about uh, Kyle Murray as the Kyle Kyler Murray as the fifth quarterback off the board? I think it's fine. I think he belongs right with um, Russ and Watson. To me, Dak is sort of in his own tier as the quarterback three. Then I, I think Watson, Murray, and, and Wilson, you can kind of draft him in any order, and it's it's okay. Adam, what do you think of Kyler be heading into the season? Yeah, you know, I, I'm usually not taking quarterback that high, so I'm not, uh, you know, I'm usually not huge on Kyler Murray. Um, see, to me, it's, it's, it's a clear tier. You know, you got Mahomes and Jackson, and then I can't think, think Prescott's kind of in his own tier by himself. And then Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, you know, um, there's a couple other quarterbacks I'm not going to name yet. Maybe in a couple picks I will, but um, that I like kind of in that Kyler Murray range. Um, you know, he wasn't super efficient last year. I've seen some some good write-ups on that. Um, but, you know, he's got a lot of – he's going to have a lot of volume, and he's, you know, this, his receiving core is really good. And Drake Kretz is great out of the backfield. So uh, he's going to have some, some spike weeks for sure. Um, but in a format like this, I'd, I'd rather have one of the top safer guys or just wait. Personally, I'm not touching Kyler Murray near his price this year. Um, but, you know, I can certainly see the upside, if nothing else, because he brings uh, a higher rushing ceiling than just about everybody else at the position. Um, Kenny Galladay went with the fifth pick of round three. That gives Noah Riddell a QB and two wide receiver start. He had the Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill stack to start things. And then Kenny, Kenny Galladay. And Jared, we talked last night about Kenny Galladay going appropriately <laughs> as the wide receiver 15. Tonight, he's wide receiver seven right at where he's been in ADP lately. Yeah, I just, I, I guess I don't, I mean, I, I don't totally get it with Galladay. I think you either have to be betting on him to remain like, you know, one of the most efficient wide receivers in the NFL, or you just need to bet on him sort of 
becoming the clear one to Marvin Jones is, is you know, two, because last year we've even really over the last two years, um, they, they've been super close in target. So to me, Galladay just doesn't have the volume to be up there with a guy like Mike Evans, with a guy like Allen Robinson, even a couple wide receivers that haven't even gone off the board yet. I'd, I'd take pretty easily ahead of Galladay. Yeah. Galladay certainly not for me either. We've talked about that on the podcast this season, James Connor, RB 15 with the sixth pick of round three. Then Zach Ertz was our fourth tight end off the board near the same spot to Mike Shope with the seventh pick of round three, Russell Wilson, the sixth quarterback off the board right after that. Then Mike Evans, Todd Gurley, Allen Robinson, Melvin Gordon to close out the round. So Connor Allen started with three running backs. He's the only drafter that started this draft with three running backs, then took his first wide receiver around the turn, Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju, I'm scared of Juju as the wide receiver 10. I I think round four is a fine spot for him, but I think there's a lot of questions to him to make him the 10th receiver off my board. Especially yeah, in an upside-driven format. Yeah, I, I mean, I, he he has he has the upside to beat that, but I, I do agree he has more risk, I think, than a lot of the other wide receivers in this range. Um, you know, we, we we haven't really seen him without Antonio Brown yet. You know, if you're just basically throwing out last year, which I am, between the quarterback play and his injuries, so we haven't seen him without AB. But to me, the biggest risk with Juju and really all the Steelers is just Ben Roethlisberger. You know, what what is a What's a 38-year-old quarterback coming off elbow surgery going to look like if if he if he if he's not right? The Steelers, for whatever reason, didn't bolster their backup quarterback situation. So if Ben goes down again or isn't the same guy, um, that Steelers offense is in trouble again. And we'll see if maybe all the Deontay Johnson hype is for real and he's ready to take a big step up and you know maybe even challenge Juju for the top spot. Not something I'm betting on, but you yeah. know it's one of those questions that we have to ask in determining how early Juju Smith-Schuster really makes sense. Uh, Jake yeah. Seeley also, through his first four picks, has three running backs and a receiver. He, he flipped them versus Connor's approach. Allen Robinson at the end of round three. Chris Carson in round four as the 18th running back. I, I started draft season apprehensive about Chris Carson, but at this point, I think he's a solid value in that range. Yeah, it'll be nice. I, I believe he avoided the pup list open training camp, right? I think so. Um, yeah, because I mean, I mean, you know, that's the concern, the hip injury at the end of the season. Um, but he, man, he was before going down, he was awesome. Um, you know, he fared very well in our reliability rankings, you know, measuring the percentage of weeks these guys finish his top 24 running back. So he was coming with a pretty high weekly floor, even in PPR formats. Odell Beckham right after that as the 11th wide receiver off the board. David Johnson, the fourth pick of round four, the first running back on the roster for Mitch Carl and Patrick Doherty is still without a running back through four picks. He took DJ Moore as the 12th receiver off the board, the fifth pick of round four. That gives him Michael Thomas, George Kittle, Russell Wilson, DJ Moore. Adam's on the clock. So, Jared, what do you think of his no running back start so far? Um, you know, I, I'm I'm not a fan of like zero running back, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I I did think Kittle where he went was a good value. I think Russ where he went was a good value. And I'm a big DJ Moore fan. So I don't have any issue with um, any of – Pat's picks individually. Um, I'll be curious to see though what he ends up with at running back here. Yeah, I'm going to be interested too to see if he gets Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf, depending on which Seahawks receiver he favors. I think that stacking one of those guys is the way to go here if you are going to take Russell Wilson as your top quarterback and go with this. We'll we'll see exactly what kind of approach it is. At least a modified zero RB approach where he doesn't take any of those guys in the early rounds. Yeah, and um, you know, by taking those two early wide receivers, he gives himself you know stacking opportunities there with you know Drew Brees with Michael Thomas and, and Bridgewater with DJ Moore. 
Mike Shope took Alvin Kamara, Kenyon Drake, Zach Ertz, and then Amari Cooper in round four, 13th wide receiver off the board. Josh Allen, uh, Dan Williamson broke Adam's heart by taking Josh Allen as the seventh quarterback off the board with the seventh pick of round four. So oh, he's gone. Leonard Fournette, I'm going to let Adam drown, drown in tears for a minute, and we'll talk about some other picks before his next turn. Um Leonard Fournette went off the board to Noah Riddell, who didn't have a running back to that point, and through five picks, Leonard Fournette is his only running back. Peter Overzet had the running back in the first round and has since gone with four non-running back picks. He became the second owner to take a second quarterback just now in round five. Now has Kyler Murray, then A.J. Brown in round two, and Carson Wentz as a ninth quarterback in round five. Um, Adam, how did it feel to watch Josh Allen leave the board? just so many emotions right now. Um, I'm trying to keep myself in check. I So Josh Allen yesterday went one pick before where I draft, where I was drafting here in the fourth round. So I was just, I was hoping he would get to me. I was planning on doing a Josh Allen, Tom Brady, and then I was just going to pack up my briefcase and leave because it was going to be <laughs> over. But um, so yeah, that definitely hurt. Uh, but I do love Brady, love, love Brady th- this year. Um, stacked him with Godwin, really happy about that. Um and then uh, to follow it up with uh, Jonathan Taylor, who I think, uh, again, can be, you know, to get him at the beginning of the fifth is pretty sweet. Um, as the RB21, I think he can certainly uh, destroy that. Uh, O-line's elite. You know, they're going to be playing with with leads most of the time. So, um, you know, I'm not afraid of Marlon Mack. I think I saw some photos on Twitter today. Jonathan Taylor came in with a <laughs> linebacker, just running a 4-3-9. It's beautiful. So, uh, so yeah, I like um, – I like my start. I would have loved it if I if Allen could, could have fallen. Is there going to be an Adam Krautwurst money team this year that doesn't have Jonathan Taylor on it? That is a great question. Um, I feel like he keeps falling, so probably. I mean, I was taking him at the end of the second back after the draft. He's fallen two rounds since then, um, so we'll see. I feel like he's a – he is a league-winning type player. Uh, like if Matt goes down or something, uh, Jonathan Taylor could be a league-winning type player. I mean, to me, he has upside from running back 21, even if Marlon Mack stays healthy. Correct, yep. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think he needs Marlon Mack to go down to be a league winner. I think he just needs the Colts to, you know, give their best player the ball. Um, yeah, so Taylor went running back 17 um, at the end of the third round last night. So that seems like nice value there for you, Adam. Mm-hmm. And I think it won't be that long before you're thanking Dan for saving you from Josh Allen. Or Latin, <laughs> nope. of Godwin. <laughs> so we saw A.J. Brown go as the 14th wide receiver. Then we saw Adam Thielen before Adam Krautwurst's Tom Brady pick. Calvin Ridley was the last pick of round four. Pat Thorman around that turn. Doubled up at wide receiver. Didn't have any through his first three turns. Uh, but now has Calvin Ridley and Terry McLaurin as the 16th and 17th wide receivers off the board. Jared, is that too early for Terry McLaurin? No, oh, it's right where he belongs. I, I, took him at, I took him at wide receiver 17 last night. Perfect spot, Pat. <laughs> Perfect spot. A little bit early for my taste, but I could see the upside in that range. Um, Christian McCaffrey, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Jones, Calvin Ridley, Terry McLaurin is his start. We had Jonathan Taylor, Le'Veon Bell, Carson Wentz, as he mentioned, in round five. Uh, so through five rounds now, we've got two teams that have doubled up at quarterback. It was Peter Overset, and then um, Dan Williamson doubled up with his Josh Allen pick at quarterback. We had DJ Chark go right after Carson Wentz. Robert Woods went to Dan Williamson's team, and then Matt Ryan, the first quarterback, for Mike Shope. That gives him Alvin Kamara, Kenyon Drake, Zach Ertz, Amari Cooper, Matt Ryan, 
that, that's a little bit down from ADP for Matt Ryan and probably an appropriate spot for him. Yeah, quarterback 10, definitely a few spots lower than he goes. Um, and now we're starting to see some quarterbacks fly off the board, and this is a bit different than what we saw last night. You know, looking at last night's draft, where it really wasn't until round seven where they really started to fly, and you know, here we're starting to get quite a few coming off the board at the tail end of the fifth and early in the sixth. Yeah, I'm actually glad that Brady was there because if Brady wasn't there, I probably would have passed on quarterback, and or I may have passed on quarterback. I'm, I'm not really sure, but uh, – if I did, I'd be in big trouble now. You'd be sweating at least. That's right. <laughs> be a big fall. I, I think I, I mentioned the Dak Zeke stack earlier. Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara might be even more so my favorite quarterback running back stack because there we should be getting some significant receiving touchdown production. You know, if we get the kind of season from those two guys that's going to win us a contest like this. So for me, with Drew Brees still on the board, I would have pretty easily gone Drew Brees over Matt Ryan at that spot in round five. Yeah, I think Ryan's got higher. Yeah, his schedule is pretty is pretty sweet. Uh, then again, so is Drew Brees, uh, but uh, his schedule is sweet. But uh, but yeah, for the stack, that's that, that's a good point. If you if you're looking to stack quarterback running back, that's probably the perfect pair. Um, Patrick Doherty took David Montgomery in round five. So not really a zero RB build. It's a little bit early for that. Then doubled up in the next round with Devin Singletary. We saw Aaron Rodgers go off the board as the 11th quarterback to Mitch Carl in round five, Cooper cup, Drew Brees then leaves the board as the 12th uh, for me. And I think Jared, we've talked about this. Drew Brees is pretty easily ahead of Aaron Rodgers this season. Yeah. I've come around on that. Yeah. Especially I think in this format, you get the big spike weeks from home Drew Brees. I want to go back to uh, Doherty's pick of David Montgomery. I know he doesn't have many, if, if any fans left at this point, but I do think Montgomery is a pretty ideal pick for your running back one. If you do start running a wide receiver heavy or, you know, go like Doherty where he didn't take any running backs in the first four rounds. I think someone like Montgomery who has a pretty safe workload and, you know, maybe he's not going to give you huge ceiling weeks, but um, you know, the floor is going to be there because of his volumes. I think he's a good target. If you do, you know, go semi zero running back. I don't know, Jared. I think floor is lava in this competition where you go for ceiling. DK Metcalf, Cortland Sutton around the turn. Connor Allen's now through six picks without a quarterback in this format. He is the only team currently without a quarterback, as several have already drafted two of them. Jake Seeley was another team to take his second. Daniel Jones as a 13th quarterback off the board with the second pick of round six. Then we had Mike Tagliera take Matthew Stafford as his first quarterback, Jared, just like you did last night. Yep, uh, and I took him at quarterback 15, same area. Not a guy I've drafted a ton of. It seems like every draft I get in there, someone who just likes Matt Stafford more than me. I mean, he was awesome through those eight games last year. He was also, you know, sitting on career highs in pretty much every metric. So I don't expect that again, but, you know, with Galladay, with Marvin Jones, I I think TJ Hawkinson takes a big step forward this year. So I'm just fine with Stafford if you get him, you know, quarterback 12 to 15 territory. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to project a significant dip from Matthew Stafford versus what he was doing early last year, but his ADP does that. So I think as long as he gets near ADP, he's a fine pick, certainly with upside beyond that. He's all he's been a volatile guy throughout his career, though, too. So he could very well just finish in this range, despite the way last year looked. I thought it was interesting. We had Cam Akers go after uh, Matthew Stafford. Then we had Doherty's team. I mentioned he took Singletary. He passed on Tyler Lockett, having already had Russell Wilson on his roster back in in, uh, round three. So, you know, it looks like he felt like he needed or at least preferred the running back over the Russell Wilson-Tyler Lockett stack. 
No, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I know stacking is optimal and you want to do it when possible, but I, I don't think you should go out of your way just to make it happen. So, you know, Doherty obviously felt like he needed that second running back. Singletary, not a guy I love, but, you know, in the sixth round at running back 25, I think that's a fine spot for him. Yeah, I mean, I agree that if you much prefer the other guy, don't take the one guy just to build the stack. For me, it would be pretty easily Tyler Lockett there because I not only like him a lot, I would then get the stack, and I don't think there's any special value to Devin Singletary. Adam, what about you? Yeah, Lockett for me is way ahead of Singletary. Now, again, it's 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 best ball, and I kind of lean, uh, kind of lean running backs, but uh, but I'm not a huge Singletary fan, like we talked about last night. And Lockett, yeah, Lockett for me is clearly ahead of uh, ahead of Singletary. So Tyler Lockett then goes next as the second wide receiver on Mike Shope's team. Dan Williamson took his third quarterback, Cam Newton, the fifteenth quarterback off the board with the seventh pick of round six. He joins Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Cam Newton. At the very least, he has an elite stable of running quarterbacks. And that, that is not a bad idea to target quarterback. I, 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 it seems like he definitely um, you know, set out to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in this in this format. So I, uh, quarterbacks are pretty low scoring in these formats for passing. I think they get 25, one for 25 yards passing and four for a passing score. So if you're going to load up on uh, quarterbacks or rushing quarterbacks, you know, they're going to have those great spike weeks. The only concern is um, they're also you know, more more injury prone too. So um, he might, I mean, he just drafted his third, which is, you know, which is great uh, for him, but he might need to add, add another one just in case. So we had 10 quarterbacks go through five rounds last night. We have, we had uh, nine, 13, it looks like, go in the first five rounds tonight. So tonight's draft is certainly a little bit ahead of last night in terms of where they're drafting quarterbacks. But it's it's evened out a little bit now because in this stage of last night's draft, it really picked up, um, and we had 30 off the board by the end of round nine. So I'll be curious to see where we go from here. Adam also joined the three-quarterback club a few picks later. In between, we had Kareem Hunt going round six, Stephon Diggs, uh, Evan Engram as the fifth tight end off the board, and then Jared Goff to Adam with the penultimate pick of round six. Adam, why Jared Goff and then Teddy Bridgewater with back-to-back picks? Yeah, I just had a. It's just I had a feeling quarterbacks are going to fly off here, and picking at the end is is tough. You know, you don't want to. I wanted three solid starters, um, and I felt like if I waited, when I, by the time it got back to me, uh, there'd be nothing left that I liked, and now I can kind of forget about quarterback and move on uh, to to the rest of the draft. Um, but I, re- I really like Bridgewater this year. Um, I think he's got all the talent around him. I'm surprised he's not actually going higher um, in most in most drafts. I mean, you know, he's got all the talent in the world around him, and uh, he played you know he played very well in New Orleans last year. You know, and it's it's nice when you can throw a little check down to McCaffrey. He can go 80 yards or Curtis Samuel. Like he doesn't have to do a lot of work. So um, I think he's going to do really well there. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on uh, Bridgewater. I like the fit in that offense with those weapons. And I, I look at that Panthers defense. It was a bottom five unit last year. I think it's going to be a bottom five unit again yep. this year. So I, I think they're going to be playing from behind quite a bit, which is going to boost Teddy's volume. I'm not personally taking Teddy Bridgewater when Ryan Tannehill, Baker Mayfield and Joe Burrow are still on the board. Yeah. Burrow kind of scares me, you know, um, I, I like Burrow. I, th- I think he's going to be a stud, but you know, two games against the Ravens, two games against the Steelers. I think it's just, he's going to have some weeks where, you know, he's just not going to perform. It is best ball. He would have been my third back, but I just, um, I kind of went with my, went with my gut there to, took Bridgewater. All right. 
So we had Stefan Diggs go, um, Jared Goff, as I mentioned. Marquise Brown is a 25th wide receiver off the board. The third straight wide receiver pick for Pat Thorman to close out round six. He then took Ben Roethlisberger right before Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, there's certainly upside to Roethlisberger if he stays healthy. He's shown that, and especially only if you're getting home Ben in the best ball format. He's another one that I would hesitate to take at least before Baker Mayfield and Joe Burrow. I think I could kind of go either way on Roethlisberger versus Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, that's a few spots before I take him. Um, I do think, you know, in this format when, again, you're trying to beat 59 other teams, Roethlisberger's upside makes some sense. I also think he is an ideal guy to stack. And, and Pat obviously can't stack him with Juju or James Conner. They're already off the board. But, you know, there are Steelers still available for him to stack. I, I just think if, if Ben hits – most, if not all, of his pass catchers are going to return value, too. So it's just a really ideal situation to, to stack. Yeah, be curious to see if he has shots at Deontay Johnson or at Eric Ebron uh, later on in the tight end premium. And mention the tight end premium. Evan Ingram, just like last night, we had a, a pretty sizable gap between the top four tight ends. As I mentioned, Zach Ertz went in the middle of round three. And then the next one was Evan Ingram late in round six. Just like last night, we had a little bit more than three full rounds between those tight ends. And I mean, you guys said last night, you thought that that was kind of where the gap belonged to the position. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Same, same thing here. Yeah. I think the gap uh, kind of belongs there. And um, I think uh, there'll be, there'll be a run on them coming up here uh, soon, especially with the, with the quarterbacks kind of dwindling. Yeah. I was going to say, I think in the, in the super flex format, I think um, tight ends are sort of victim to teams needing to grab those quarterbacks. I think that sort of is what pushes tight ends down. Cause in, and you know, something like the FFPC, another tight end premium format with just one quarterback in the starting lineup, we see these tight ends, you know, like Ingram and Waller go, you know, a round or two earlier than we see in this, in this draft, both tonight and last night. Yeah. And the, qu the questions really start at tight end beyond that top four, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, Zach Ertz, and then, you know, Evan Ingram, Darren Waller, everybody after that, there's something that you can point to and say, this is why I'm concerned about him this year. So I think especially too, when you throw in the, the best ball portion of it, where you're just collecting the spike weeks from everybody, it makes sense to push them down the board and favor a quarterback in that range. After Teddy Bridgewater, we had DeAndre Swift leave the board as the 27th running back. Then Ryan Tannehill, as I mentioned, Darren Waller was the sixth tight end off the board uh, in round seven, pick five, Raheem Mostert at running back 28. Keenan Allen, the next wide receiver off the board to Mike Shope's team. Jimmy Garoppolo, the second quarterback for Pat Doherty's team. And then Baker Mayfield, Joe Burrow right behind him, three straight quarterbacks off the board. I'm a little surprised to see Jimmy Garoppolo go off before, especially Baker Mayfield, but also Joe Burrow. Yeah, uh, Pat stacked Garoppolo with Kittle, so I'm, I'm guessing. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know what Pat's rankings look like, but it's it's possible he you know pushed him up a few spots to get that stack with Kittle, which I think is a good idea. Yeah, I would imagine that he at the very least has Garoppolo close to those guys, mm -hmm. and I think that is where you should favor stacking. You know, if, if you have Mayfield at 12 and Garoppolo at 21, then I say go ahead and take Baker Mayfield. But, you know, if we're talking about 18 and 20 or something like that, go ahead and take Garoppolo, especially when you're stacking him with the guy who's almost definitely going to be his lead receiver and probably a strong weekly producer this season. Exactly. And I'm not looking at the camera, but I'm imagining Adam smiling right now because I know he just got his boy, Tyler Higby, in the oh, eighth there. I was, doing a, I was doing a dance. I don't know. You couldn't see that. I was so excited. Talk about Higby. Yes, well, let me hold on one second. Yeah, he, he, he can't ever tell when he's smiling because he hides it behind the Yukon Cornelius beard. 
It's the right. COVID. You know, I shaved the head and then I grew it on my on my face. So um, let me just take. I like the Jay Buner look. Before That's we get right. to Adam's uh, celebration for Tyler Higby, we did have Devontae Parker and then Kirk Cousins to close out round seven. Kirk Cousins is the 23rd quarterback off the board. And Connor Allen, it was the first quarterback selection for him as number 23 off the board. He doubled up with Drew Locke as the first pick of round eight. Adam, did you lock in your round nine pick yet? I locked it in. I got to tell you, it felt amazing to take Higby because I, I love Higby. They're going to go more 12 personnel this year. Um, he's super talented. He's uh, He built a rapport uh, with Goff, who I drafted earlier. Um, they built a rapport over the second half of the year, and that's that, that's big. for When quarterbacks find guys that, that they can trust, um, I know it took him a couple of years to break out. It takes tight ends a while sometimes, but uh, and I know it coincided with, with injury to other players in the team, but – I just, I just believe in it. And again, in the, in the eighth round in the tight end premium, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm kind of surprised he was there. I know some people hate him. Some people love him. This must be a draft where people hate him and I'm, I'm happy to take him. Um, but the feeling felt just as bad when I got sniped on Will Fuller uh, two picks later. I was, oh, I was, I was locked into Fuller. Uh, I think that's, that's a great pick by, uh, by Thorman there. Um, so I went Ronald Jones. I like to go t- running back early in these formats. Plus I know over that is a, is a Rojo fanatic. So just taking, uh, being able there. to snipe overs that right there feels, feels, feels good too. Yeah. I was surprised to see Higby get to you as well. I mean, it seems to me he's usually one of the first seven tight ends off the board. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've definitely warmed up to him, I think, throughout the summer here. I think there's still some risk with him, uh, but I, th- I think it's more likely than not that he does, you know, sort of stay clearly ahead of Gerald Everett. I know the Rams just gave Higby the, the big extension uh, last summer. Everett's going to be a free agent um, after this year. So it does seem like Higby is sort of the, the guy the Rams want to go with. Yeah, I think I think he's going to do well. And like uh, you posted something on Twitter a couple months ago where it showed the, you know, the amount of receptions going to the tight end has been getting higher and higher the last three years with the Rams and running backs been getting lower and lower. So I think they're kind of trending in that direction. Um, what I did want to ask, I didn't have a chance earlier um, to ask us, uh, but D- Darren Waller. So what are your guys' thoughts on him? And, um, you know, they got uh, a bunch of other tight ends there now. Are you, are you guys fans of Darren Waller? To me, Darren Waller is a total volume play and the, the situation got a ton more crowded versus last year. So I mean, I think he's okay as a tight end six in round seven of this, but I, I'm not targeting him. I think I think I'm a bit higher than you are, Matt, on him. Um, trying to pull up his numbers here. I know he's he's in for he's not going to see the same volume he saw last year, where he was well over 100 targets. And after you know they added Henry Ruggs and Tyrell Williams, hopefully he's healthier this season. I think his targets come down a little bit. Um, he also scored just three times on 90 catches, though. So there's some positive touchdown regression coming too. Now I just think the guy's very good. So like even with the additions that, that the Raiders made, I think Waller is going to remain, you know maybe the focal point of the offense or he's at least going to remain one of the focal points. So, you know, I don't see his volume coming down too much. So to me, um, tight end six is about where he belongs. Yeah. To me, um, just Jason Witten is just, uh, Oh my God. He's like Frank Gore. He's just, it just killed. He's no good. I mean, he's not no good, but you know, he's just going to kill the value of everybody around him. So that's what kind of scares me. Like, why would you bring in Jason Witten? Uh, you know, maybe he's a, a, a coach to him, which, which would be great. Uh, I'm just a little lower on, uh, on Darren Waller. Um, I think that than most people are, I mean, I don't have all the numbers in front of me, but I, I think his volume is coming down a lot because they yeah. changed a lot versus last year. And he, I, again, I don't have the red zone numbers in front of me, but I don't think it was bad luck in the red zone. I don't think he was getting targeted a whole lot versus 
um, his overall reception count. He was losing out touchdowns to Foster Moreau before Moreau went on IR. So they added Jason yep. Witten, they added um, Henry Ruggs, they added Brian Edwards, they added at running back. They just added all over the place. It's it's very different. Again, at, at tight end six, fine, especially down in round seven. But uh, I don't know, not pretty that I'm getting excited about it at any point. They 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 added all over the place, but to me, Ruggs is the only significant addition. Like, and if Jason Witten steals significant value from from Darren Waller, that, that's a major issue. So again, I think you know you look at all the efficiency stuff, yards per route run, um, yards per target. Waller was you know, near the top of the tight end heap and all that stuff. So I, again, I just believe in him here and I. It would make sense for him to remain a, a, a big part of that game. I mean, you know, you say significant volume. If if Jason Witten takes 40 targets that were otherwise available at tight end, that's not really a, a big number for Witten. But, I mean, that cuts directly into what Darren Waller has. It, it Just all of it, it's too much for me in a range where, I mean, what's better about uh, Darren Waller than Hayden Hurst, who's in a better situation and steps into a spot where I mean, I think you know Waller's Waller's proven it at least one year, and you know he has the continuity. My, my biggest concern with Hurst is just you know, I think generally fading pass catchers on new offenses is the way to go, and I think that might be even more of the case, um, you know, with this offseason. So that that's my biggest concern with Hurst. All right, we'll move on from the Higby and the Darren Waller discussions. Agent Green was a 29th wide receiver off the board uh, with the oh, I guess that was right before the pick. Um, T.Y. Hilton and Will Fuller around the turn, as you mentioned. Um, Pat Thorman threw nine picks, is one of three teams that hadn't taken a tight end yet at that point. Um, Adam mentioned that he sniped Will Fuller. Maybe you sniped um, Tyler Higby from him. Um, we'll see because he is still without a tight end at this point. You mentioned you took Ronald Jones around the turn, your third running back. Rich Rebar then took Michael Gallup. And Peter Overzet took Tyler Boyd through his nine, first nine picks. He has just one running back on his roster. Interesting build. I think I think uh, anyone that follows Pete isn't surprised. He's definitely a, a zero running back guy. So, you know, he he uh, softened up and took Dalvin Cook at four, but then he's sort of gone back to his roots here. And through 10 picks now, still has just one running back. I wonder if in his uh, zero running back zealotry, he realizes it doesn't actually mean zero running backs. <laughs> Listen, this this format is set up for uh, zero RB guys. I mean, you got you have to start three receivers. You know, you you kind of have to start two quarterbacks. Um, so you know, tight's tight end premium. So it gives everybody it gives you know zero RB guys the opportunity to never take a running back until they absolutely have to. So I think uh, this this format uh, fits in beautifully for for them. Yeah, I'd be very curious to see what he ends up with at running back now that he's 10 picks in with just one on his roster. Um, right behind him, Noah Riddell in consecutive picks took Tuo Tangavailoa and then Dwayne Haskins in round 10. So his three quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes back in the first, and then Tangavailoa at QB 27, Dwayne Haskins QB 31. So he's got his three. I, I'm wondering now, I, I'm very interested to see what happens at Dolphins camp if Tua is does emerge as the opening the season opening starter. Yeah, I'm still not betting on it. I, I would bet on him starting more games than Fitzpatrick, but I think Fitz opens the, is the, uh, opens the year as the starter. Um, of course, Fitzpatrick's still on the board here, so we'll see if Noah um, you know, tries to get both of those Dolphins quarterbacks. I think the getting cleared physically for the start of camp certainly increases his chances of playing more games this year than Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I, I you know, over the past few months, I was kind of doubting that, that his – physical status was going to allow Tua to 
start more games than Ryan Fitzpatrick, even though history tells us to expect that from highly drafted first round quarterbacks. So, you know, again, we'll see how the summer goes. We'll see what the Dolphins want to do with Tua. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick gives them the insurance that they don't have to force him in if he's not ready. Rob Gronkowski, the 10th tight end off the board with the sixth pick of round nine. That was to Dan Williamson's team. Then Tariq Cohen, Julian Edelman, on Johnson, Tyrod Taylor is the 28th quarterback off the board. Uh, Marvin Jones and Sam Darnold closed out round nine. Um, Jared, anybody jump out to you in that range? No, I, I, I want to say, though, Con- uh, Connor Allen, after waiting on quarterback for as long as he did, I mean, you know, th- th- those aren't exciting guys. I mean, I guess Drew Locke is kind of exciting to me, at least. I don't know how you guys feel about him. But, um, you know, Cousins and Darnold aren't exciting. But I think he did a good job to just get three starting quarterbacks after waiting, you know, until the seventh round to take his first. Did also at least stack lock with Cortland Sutton, really at reasonable prices. Um, beginning around six for Cortland Sutton, the 22nd wide receiver off the board, and then Drew Locke, the 24th quarterback at the end of or the beginning of round eight. So, yeah, a, a decent job there. Um, Mike Jasucki, he took as the 11th tight end off the board. So, he screwed up anything that he did well in that <laughs> room by taking Mike Jasucki as the 11th tight end. Yeah, uh, Jasucki over Hawkinson and Fant is questionable to me. Um, but I'm definitely not as down on the guy as you are. The, the poor guy. Who is? TJ Hawkinson went next, the 12th tight end. Then it was Latavius Murray, uh, not to the team that took Alvin Kamara, just a few picks ahead of when the Alvin Kamara team would have been drafting. Brandon Cook's next, Justin Jackson. Derek Carr is the third quarterback for Mike Shope's team, joining Matt Ryan, Gardner Minshew, and uh, Derek Carr's the third, as I mentioned. No QB wide receiver stacks on that roster, as far as I can tell so far. Um, so we'll see if that becomes an issue for him. How about that Justin Jackson pick? That's yeah, I was just going to bring that up. Guys, I've seen him go in any draft all year for sure. Yeah. That is the third running back for Pat Doherty, who took David Montgomery, took Devin Singletary. I mean, I guess to me that picking him as the running back 36 says, I think that Justin Jackson is going to be significantly involved and I don't view him as a handcuff type. Well, I hope he's wrong. Cause <laughs> I, I have, all yeah, my- <laughs> I, I mean, I, I buy that either Jackson or Josh Kelly is going to be involved enough to be useful at some point. Probably not, you know, running back 36 level useful, but I, I actually think it's going to be Joshua Kelly. I think, you know, they've spent decent draft capital on him. I think he has, he's, he's more of the big body that, you know, they're looking to replace in Melvin Gordon. So that, that's where my money is, but that'll definitely be a battle to watch over the next month. Cause I do think whoever wins that is going to have some fantasy relevance. Yeah. Wasn't Joshua Kelly a fourth round pick? Yeah, which, again, I think is, you know, not not insignificant in this day and age. Yeah. Uh, to me, I, I, I don't I don't like either of these guys enough to say this guy is going to be the number two fantasy running back for the Chargers. I, if I were choosing to take them, I would take shares of each of them because I, I think this is a situation that's got to play out this summer. I don't think either Justin Jackson or Joshua Kelly is a terrific player. There's definitely room for at least one of them, maybe all three of them to play a role, and I think – if you're drafting any of them, you hope that we aren't going to have significant work for all three. Yeah, I'd be curious to get Pat's uh, thoughts on the Jackson pick. I'll have to shoot him a note after this. Mm-hmm. Derek Carr, the 30th quarterback off the board, which seems a little low to me um, <laughs> based on some of the guys that went ahead of him. I mean, you know, just versus Tua versus Tyrod Taylor, we know that Derek Carr is going to open the season as the starter, and he's almost certainly going to remain the starter. Right? Maybe you worry a little bit about Marcus Mariota if Derek Carr falters, but I think it's Derek Carr's job, and I think he'll be pretty solid this year. 
I hate being like the, the Derek Carr guy, but I feel like I've sort of turned into the Derek Carr guy. I think he was he was better. He was better in real life last year than people realize. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't great in fantasy. He, he, he had a low-ish touchdown rate. I think that'll rebound a bit. And I just think, you know, with some of the weapons they added, I think, you know, Henry Ruggs should make an immediate impact. Again, hopefully Tyrell Williams is healthier. I think Josh Jacobs has more to offer in the passing game. Hopefully the Raiders let him do that. So I think it's a pretty um, good group of pass catchers around Carr. So at quarterback 30, I think that's a big value. And if you read the Draft Sharks player profiles, you'll see that John Gruden offenses have fared rather well shortly into his um, new stints with his teams. James White was the 37th running back off the board in the middle around 10. Then Dwayne Haskins, as we mentioned, Jarvis Landry, Nick Foles. Jonu Smith is the 13th tight end to Adam Krautwurst. Then Noah Fant at the turn for Pat Thorman, his first tight end of the draft. Tevin Coleman on the other side of that turn. Uh, C.D. Lamb to Adam in round 11. Adam, anything to say on those two those two picks in particular? Yeah, I like Janu, especially in uh, in best ball. You know, I think he'll have a couple. I think this is his year uh, for like the third year in a row. <laughs> but um, uh, you know, I think he's going to have some big games. Uh, you know, you don't have to set your lineup. Um, you can just plug in those monster games. Um, I think you guys just did a real good uh, breakdown of him recently on, on Draft Sharks. Uh, and then CD Lamb uh, in a lineup setting league, I don't, I don't love him. Uh, but uh, again, in, in best ball, he's gonna he's gonna score. He's gonna have big games. You know, I mean, Randall Cobb had some had some good games for them last year, and he's just going to slide right into that slot role. And I think he's going to have some really dominant performances. So uh, I'm happy to have him as my uh, as my wide receiver too in a, in a best ball. Even though I he's wonder, not taking Blake Jarwin right there. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 Blake Jarwin for, for me. <laughs> I, I I wonder if Rebar was targeting CD Lamb. Uh, right behind Adam because he, you know, he like uh, Evan Silva did last night has gone with the Cowboys stack here. After yeah. starting with Zeke and Dak, he took uh, Michael Gallup there in the ninth round, and then Blake Jarwin in the eleventh. Absolute thievery to allow him to take Blake Jarwin as the tight end fifteen in round eleven. I think that uh, I think honestly, you know, all joking aside, I think that's going to be terrific value by the end of the season. I got him at tight end sixteen last night, so. I took him at tight end 10, I think, in my pros versus Joe's draft, just because I was scared that if I waited, he was not going to get back to me. His ADP is slowly climbing. You know, I used to be able to get him in the 20s, um, but, but I agree. I still think you know in the, in the mid-teens is a good value. Again, it's just buying that Cowboys offense. Like I think Jarwin's going to be on the field a bunch. He's not going to see a huge volume, but I think he'll see enough. And I, 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 I think the guy has you know a 7-8 touchdown season in him just because that Dallas offense is going to be so good. Yeah, I, th- I think he's going to need touchdowns. I don't, I'm not so sure the volume's going to be there. I mean, CeeDee Lamb is so good. And, um, you know, to, you know, I realize Witten leaves behind targets, but I think that a lot of those targets might go to, to Lamb or Tony Pollard, you know, or Zeke. So um, I just, I just think he's going to, he's going to be the one of those tight ends that needs touchdowns to, uh, to kind of keep his value. But I, you know, I think he went, what, tight end 15. That's not, that, that's not horrible. Well, yeah. You, you got how many targets are available too. Yeah. You got, you got Witten and Cobb. I think they both saw, well, I think it was exactly. Yeah, so that's 160 targets. So you could you could get you know 90 targets you land have 70 or 80 left behind for Jarwin. Yeah, that is true. And I guess you, you know you're really looking for guys that have 80 target upside in FFPC anyway. So yeah, I mean I think CD Land's gonna get all 160 of those targets, obviously. So <laughs> I think I think that's where that's where we differ. <laughs> so in round eleven, we did see Blake Jarwin go. Dallas Goddard went right after him. Deontay Johnson, who Pat Thorman did not stack with Ben Roethlisberger at any point. He had, uh, what, four chances to do so since drafting Ben Roethlisberger. So clearly not necessary, not especially high on Deontay Johnson, who went wide receiver 39. Jared Cook 
went tight end 17, which is, is lower than ADP for him. Also did not go to the Drew Brees team, which is worth noting in this tight end premium format. Curtis Samuel, wide receiver 40. Jared, I think that's a little bit higher than he's been. Actually, it's a lot higher than his ADP was recently. I wonder if it's just one drafter who's high on him or if maybe it's a signal that Curtis Samuel is climbing now that we know he's going to run the ball some. Yeah, he went wide receiver 50 last night. Um, I, I think if you look at like best ball ADP from the past couple of weeks, he's in like the mid 50s. So, you know, yeah. it's possible he's on he's on the ascent. And I, I think he should be because, you know, we've talked we talked about it on last week's podcast. I think he was one of the most, you know, misutilized wide receivers in the NFL last year. And I think it sounds like Carolina's new coaching staff is going to use him on more of the short range stuff, get the ball in his hands, maybe give him even more rushing work than he got last year. As long as he stays in the fifties, I like him. If he gets to wide receiver 40 and ADP, I'm not sure I'm going to be following him through there. We're going to follow this draft through 12 rounds. That'll be about the midway point. And I don't know, probably about time for me to go to bed. I got a lot of kids um, over here to take care of during the day. Austin Hooper, though, followed Curtis Samuel off the board, the 18th tight end here, which is more so the range I think he belongs in. But I, that might be a little bit late for Austin Hooper. He, he's, he's like the guy this year who, who turns from, you know, overvalued to undervalued because everyone starts, you know, talking him down. I think at, at tight end 18, he's, he's, a, he's a nice pick. I mean, if people are going to believe that Kareem Hunt slot receiver is a thing just because Jarvis Landry is starting on the pup, how do you not like Austin Hooper at least a little bit better given Jarvis Landry's hip situation? Yeah, I mean, he's not he's not an exciting player, but he's I mean, he, he proved he can handle and produce with big workloads in Atlanta. Um, the Browns gave him big money and, you know, Kevin Stefanski runs a tight end friendly offense. So might be talking myself into Austin Hooper if he keeps going, you know, in tight end 18 territory. Yeah, that, that's my thing is, you know, follow the money. They gave him a ton of money. Um, Stefanski runs a, a, you know, a tight end heavy offense, um, and they already had Njoku there, so they obviously like him more. Um, I, I don't have a lot of Austin Hooper this year, but I'm not – I think I just end up targeting other guys in that area. But tight end 18 or every once is crazy in tight end premium. I mean, he could, he could legitimately be a top – 10 tight end. He was a top three guy last year, I think before he got hurt and in the FFPC. So um, he's still young. You know, I don't, you know, I think it's just people kind of, kind of hating on uh, the the Browns there. Yeah. It's not cool cool to draft Austin Hooper. That's right. I believe he still finished six, even with missing three games last year. Uh, Certainly I'm down on Austin Hooper versus where his ADP was, but if he's going to go tight end 18, I mean, that's way too low for him and and not a good spot. Uh, Darius Slayton, uh, followed him off the board. Then it was Jack Doyle as the 19th tight end, Sterling Shepard, Irv Smith, and Connor Allen, as we mentioned, went. So he has actually gone three straight at a position throughout the draft so far. He started the draft with three running backs, then three wide receivers, then three quarterbacks, then three tight ends. I'll be curious to see where he goes from here. Maybe he'll be lost now that he can't keep tripling up. He's just trying to make a, a, a pretty looking draft board. It's pretty. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It looks kind of like a sorry board. <laughs> so took Irv Smith and Jay Sternberger. So he made up for Mike Jasucki by getting Jay, Jay Sternberger. Uh, Irv Smith, I can go either way on uh, at the tight end 20 spot. The offense doesn't excite me, but the the athlete is certainly an upside player. Yeah, Irv's a guy I'm definitely betting on long term. I looked at this year, uh, this this summer, what he did last year as a 21-year-old rookie tight end. And he was, you know, he's in a select group of guys to, you know, produce like he did at that age. So I'm betting on him long-term. You know, there, there's questions this year about what type of volume he's going to get, but it, it's definitely possible that he just sort of, you know, leaves 
Kyle Rudolph in his wake and, um, you know, kind of becomes the clear lead guy there. And if that happens, I think there'll be enough volume there for him to be a, you know, for, to, to at least pay off on that tight end 20 price. We are into round 12. Philip Lindsay, Tony Pollard followed Jay Sternberger off the board. Greg Olson went off as the 22nd tight end, just the second tight end on Mitch Carl's roster after he took Travis Kelsey back in round one. Nicole Hardman next, Chris Herndon as the 23rd tight end, then Matt Breida, Jordan Howard, and back-to-back picks. That it, uh, Peter Overzet finally took his second running back in round 12, and it's Zach Moss. And Adam, I, I like the value on Zach Moss there as the 43rd running back. Yeah, I love the value there. He could be. And that's kind of the kind of the cool thing about going zero RB is you kind of get to take these shots in the dark on these handcuff backs that, you know, he's definitely a, a target for zero RB guys uh, for running backs later because, you know, he has some standalone value as a better Frank Gore uh, from last year. And he's got, uh, you know, some some real good upside if, if Singletary gets hurt. I know Singletary pulled his hammy last year and missed a couple games. So, you know, if Singletary uh, continues to show uh, a little wear and tear, and I personally think that Zach Moss is just better. So uh, that's, the, that's the guy you're looking for if you're going to go zero RB. And really, Brita, Jordan Howard, and Zach Moss going three in a row right at that spot kind of – I think if I get if I were in Pete's spot with the makeup that I had done to that point and I see those three guys and I know I'm going to get one of them, I'm like, all right, this is working out because I'll take any one of those three guys at the spot. Would have been nice to get two of them, but can't be too greedy, I guess. For sure. Daryl Henderson went next. Gerald Everett, um, Duke Johnson uh, to Pat Thorman's team. And then around the turn, Adam, let's close it out by talking about your last two picks, your picks in rounds 12, round 13. Pat did take Eric Ebron as a second tight end, so finally stacked a pass catcher with Ben Roethlisberger. And Adam, your last two picks, Gerald Everett to go with Tyler Higbee, and then Jamison Crowder as the 44th wide receiver off the board. Yeah, I love me some Jamison Crowder. I mean, the the Jets stink. They're going to be playing from behind all the time. Uh, He's their number one receiver. I mean, there's got to be receiving yards there. Someone's got to catch the ball. Someone's got to get the yards. So um, so I I love Crowder there. We're get, we're going off the air now, but I can talk a little bit about it. I mean, I might stack the whole the whole team there. So, I mean, you're gonna get those guys got to catch the ball. Someone's got to get the yards. Gerald Everett is just a you know a Tyler Higby kind of kind of a handcuff, kind of a hedge. You know, if if I'm wrong about Higby, uh, I'm probably you know right on Everett. Maybe they're both top ten tight ends. Maybe they're maybe you know one goes off one week, one goes off the next. So that's kind of my thing on Everett. There is if there's an injury to Higby, I've got a great tight end, or vice versa. Um, and I kind of hedge, hedge my bets there too. Yeah, I love the Crowder pick. I was just writing him up today for an upcoming article on draft sharks. You know, the, the Jets were obviously, I guess they were a mess all year long, but they were especially a mess in the first half of the season when Darnold was dealing with the mono. But over the second half of the year, uh, Jameson Crowder was a top 15 PPR wide receiver. Absolutely. And a nice get at that point in round 13 as just your third wide receiver in a format where you're looking to have three wide receiver starters in the lineup every week. So uh, everybody wants ceiling here, but you got to have some floor in there, especially when you do need to start three of them a week. I think Jamison Crowder is going to be a nice option um, for that. And I think Jamison Crowder is one of those players that gets more attractive as we move beyond best ball and we start drafting more lineup setting teams. Jared, any parting thoughts before we head out of here? No, I'll be hanging around uh, to see this thing out as the commish of the draft. But it's been interesting so far. Um, yeah, I think we, we saw the quarterbacks come off the board about a round or two earlier than last night. Tight end sort of in the same spot as we saw last night in general. So um, we'll be at it again tomorrow night to see what that one looks like. 
Yeah, and it'll be interesting to compare all of these drafts once we do have them all done and have five leagues of, you know, pretty serious drafters with info to compare here. Thanks for joining us tonight for draft two of the Draft Sharks Invitational.